you a fan of this podcast? Do you wish there was even more juicy content for you to sink your ears into? Well, there is. You can become a premium member of this podcast for $5.99 a month and get full access to an archive of over 50 bonus episodes. Additionally, we release a bonus episode every single month. That's a ton of extra content, including my personal interior design diaries, extra tips, my talking about trends, and so much more. Additionally, you'll be keeping us on the airwaves each and every week because your premium membership money goes directly back to making this podcast amazing. Check us out at affordableinteriordesign.com. Click on podcast to learn more and to become a premium member today. need a high-end designer or a lot of money to get a luxe look be your own interior designer with big design small budget here's your host betsy helmuth hello happy holidays i hope you all are enjoying a toasty warm cozy home filled with decor that you love In case you're having a few dilemmas, I have got today's episode for you. You guys wrote in on Facebook. You deluged me with questions, and I am so excited to answer them. This week, I am answering in um, celebration of Hanukkah, eight questions. So guys, in celebration of Hanukkah, eight questions today, I'm answering them for you on big design, small budget. Thanks so much for listening. Let's dive in. So before I open the mailbag and get to your burning questions, I wanted to start by reminding you of our contest. I'm sure you guys remember from a few episodes back that I have a big contest going. For those of you who write a review of my podcast on iTunes between now and January First, So actually the contest started back in November, but between November and January 1st, if you write a review on iTunes of this podcast, you will be entered into a contest to be one of two winners of an autographed copy of my design book, Big Design, Small Budget. So head over to iTunes, log on, write a review, tell people how much you love us, spread the word, because it really does make a very big difference to a small podcast like ours. So I'd love to get the word out there. Let us know what you think and get ready to get your book in the mail because I will be choosing two names the week of January 1st. Now, back to our show. I'm going to dive in with the first question I received on Facebook this week from one of my very sassy Facebook friends. So I put out there on Facebook, I put, does anybody have design questions for me? Because I'll be answering them on this week's and next week's podcast because I got so many. And the first question came from my sassy friend, Joanna. She wrote, Betsy, is God real? Now, I guess I neglected to specify that I wanted only design questions, Joe. But don't worry, I have proof that God is real because I can prove it with items like chenille, 
with blackout drapes, with LED flickering candles. The fact that these very items, these very miracles exist is thanks to, it must be thanks to a god or a super magical universe. Heck, the existence of anthropology.com, the store, the website, the eye candy, the catalogs, that must be proof that there is a higher power. Don't you agree? Let's get to my next question. This question came from Deirdre. She wrote me, Betsy, would you tell me more about paint color, finish, and shine? Deirdre, yes, yes I will. So of course, I do have whole episodes devoted to paint, and you may want to go check those out in the archives. But just to give you a little summary and also a little bit of new information, here goes. So when I'm doing walls in a living space, for instance, living room, bedroom, family room, playroom, I will do a flat or matte finish, something that's not glossy. The reason is because it's just a nice look, but also it won't betray any flaws in your wall. So if you use satin or eggshell, something that has a tiny bit of sheen, any patching, any sheetrock seams, any imperfections in the wall will become very apparent. So you want to make sure that if you do have imperfect walls, you're going for that flat or matte, no shine finish. If your walls are perfect, recently skim coated or brand new construction, go ahead and use eggshell because it will be a little bit more durable in terms of scrubbing off scuffs and marks. But of course, you guys know that I love using Benjamin Moore and they have this line called Aura, A-U-R-A, and even their matte finish is super durable. And I recently took a wet paper towel to it to scrub off some marker that my daughter had used on our walls and it came off like a dream and there is no residue or any evidence that anything was there. So I highly recommend checking out Aura even if you do have those perfect walls and then opting for the matte finish. Something else that I'm really excited about is that if you are painting a kitchen or a bathroom, you can do Aura Spa and Bath Finish and you can get a matte look there as well. In the past, in the days of old, we had to do shiny paint, like a semi-gloss, in a bathroom or kitchen so that we could ensure that it would be moisture repellent. But these days, what exists now is a matte paint that does have that water impermeability in terms of Benjamin Moore's Aura Spa and Bath. So I use that in both my kitchen and my bathrooms. And I can wash it off with just a dish rag or a washcloth. And I really love the fact that my bathroom and kitchen are not shiny because that always really bugged me. Speaking of shiny, you do want your trim to be shiny. So when you're thinking about window sills, radiator covers, door frames, and doors, you do want to do a semi-gloss finish. It's nice to have that contrast between the walls and the trim, but the main reason that I paint the trim in a semi-gloss is because it sees the most action. It gets the most fingerprints, the most boot scuffs, the most soot coming in from the windows. And so it's really nice to be able to wipe that off with a damp paper towel. And semi-gloss gives you that ability. And finally, the ceilings. The ceilings I always do in flat or matte paint. Somebody called me the other day. And she asked if she could do her ceilings in a semi-gloss light blue. 
And yes, you can do your ceilings in a semi-gloss light blue, but it's going to look tragic. So keep your ceilings flat. And for gosh sakes, don't make them light blue. This isn't like a tent outside. This is your home. Just paint it white. Just just be normal. Be abnormal in your selection of artwork or throw pillows, but don't fight the feeling when you're painting your ceiling. Do you like how that rhymed? I just made that up. I love that. So there we go, Deirdre. I hope that answered your question. And actually, you wrote me with a follow-up question later on down my Facebook thread. The next question you wrote says, Betsy, what is the best way to cover a pattern on a chair that you don't like? I've tried quilts, but they move around. Thank you, Deirdre. So yes, quilts aren't necessarily ideal unless you tuck it. So I do think that it's a really fun look, even if you don't hate the pattern on your chair or sofa, to tuck a quilt or throw blanket as like the seat cushion. So you tuck it in the middle and then let it fall over the front of the seat. Or you let it fall down the back of the seat and again tuck it in the middle so that it's over the back of the chair that you're trying to cover. Now, you know I hate slipcovers, right? You remember that from chapter 9 of my book? I hate slipcovers. They're saggy, baggy. They're granny panties for your furniture. They are always ill-fitting and never look sexy. So say no to slipcovers. One thing that I would consider, and I know this is going to be very controversial, Deirdre, but if you hate the pattern on your chair, it may be time to get a new chair. Getting chairs reupholstered, especially in New York City, is more expensive than just buying a new chair. And there are lots of reasonably priced stores that have amazing quality furniture pieces. Places that I love to get armchairs, places that I've shopped for armchairs for myself, happen to be Wayfair, Overstock, Room and Board, and West Elm. Those are my favorites for really great armchairs. And as you know, listeners, January is the best time for home sales. So that time when you're going to want to scoop up all the amazing deals is just weeks away. So Deirdre, instead of covering your patterned monstrosity, why don't you just buy a chair you like? Just throwing that out there. You can get one for under $250, which is sometimes cheaper than buying a throw blanket. So there we go. My next question comes from Christy. Christy wrote, Betsy, how do I mix patterns together? So that's a question that I get a lot, and it is a super easy formula that I'm going to share with you now, Christy. So all you have to do is make sure that you have a color palette in mind. So you'll remember from previous episodes, I want you to have an inspiration piece. That could be an artwork, a rug, a drape a pillow, anything that has three true colors or more, three Roigi Biv colors or more, that's where you're driving your color palette. Make sure that every pillow that you use or every pattern that you bring in is deriving its colors from the inspiration piece. So just make sure that it, in other words, coordinates with your inspiration piece. And now about those patterns specifically. Each one should be of a different scale. So you should have a small pattern, a medium pattern, and a large pattern, all of whom have colors that relate back to that inspiration piece. Now certainly you could do more than three patterns. You could do five and incorporate an extra small and an extra large, but don't do three small patterns or three medium patterns because then it looks frenetic and they compete with each other. Rather, when you have different sized patterns, different scales, then they feel really comfortable and like a nice eclectic mix. 
Now, how do you know how big your pattern is? You want to measure from where the pattern starts to where the pattern repeats. So if we're looking at a floral, let's say, and it's a flower in the middle with two leaves on either side, you measure from the edge of one leaf to the edge of the other leaf. And that's the size of your pattern. So once again, small, medium, large, and certainly you could do more than that. Just make sure none of them are the same size. So there we go, Christy. I hope that wrapped it up for you. And one more comment before our commercial break. So of course, on my Facebook feed, I wrote asking for questions, but someone wrote in a past client of mine just with a little nugget that I'll leave you with before the commercial break. She writes me, Betsy, I think the best advice you gave me was to go for some big pieces rather than a bunch of small furniture items. They really anchor the space. It might be more money up front, but it's a solid idea that lasts a long time, Eleanor. Yes, Eleanor, I couldn't agree with you more. I call it a hallelujah moment. So many of my clients get these band-aid pieces or I like to call it the curse of the medium furniture let me explain they got one bookcase and it held some of the books but not all the books so then they got another bookcase and it held some of the books and dvds but not all the books and dvds so then they got another small bookcase and again it held some of the media but then christmas came around and they got even more books so just these band-aids to fix these problems rather than being forward thinking and getting that big media unit that can hold the tv all the books, all the DVDs, and when it is filled, then you just have to reconsider, edit, and make room versus buying another furniture piece. So yes, hallelujah, Eleanor. Hallelujah, I appreciate you bringing up my hallelujah moment philosophy. So guys, we'll be right back with more questions, eight questions for Hanukkah after this commercial. Do you love this podcast? Do you wish you could learn even more? Well, we have an online class bundle. Our online class bundle is comprised of three online classes, Beautifying Your Home for Less, Styling Your Home, and the Fundamentals of Feng Shui. Each one of those three classes is between 30 and 45 minutes long and chock-filled with visuals and tips things that will help you to style your own space or help out with other spaces. Additionally, with the pack of three classes, you get an autographed copy of my book, Affordable Interior Design. You get all of that for only $99. Once again, that's the three online classes as well as the book for only $99. You just go to affordableinteriordesign.com slash classes. Once again, affordableinteriordesign.com slash classes to buy your bundle today. And if one of those classes sounded intriguing, but maybe you already have my book or some of the other topics are not of interest, you can buy the classes individually at that site as well. Each class is $40. So head over to affordableinteriordesign.com slash classes to get your bundle or your online class today. Hi, everybody. Welcome back. We have more questions coming from you. My next question that you guys sent in on Facebook is from Devin. Devin writes, Betsy, how do I add kitchen storage inexpensively? I have a small kitchen that lacks storage. Well, here are a few ideas, even though I haven't seen your specific layout, so I'm not sure which one will work best, Devin, but I'm thinking that one of them is bound to work. 
So let's start first with an island. So I love the idea of getting a central island or even an island against the wall, maybe one that's even on wheels, that then has storage in terms of drawers or even a cabinet underneath, but then gives you a work surface on top. I love the idea of one on wheels because it could really be used in a variety of ways in another space. It could even be used in the garage as something to store tools. So think outside the countertop and instead go for a movable island. I love ones from Ikea. I think they do them really well. I also like ones from Crate and Barrel, but they're a little bit pricey. So I tend to get some really great quality and under $300 islands at overstock.com. Another idea to really give yourself some more storage is to look at the walls and the ceiling. So a ceiling-mounted pot rack can not only be a great way to get those pots out of your cabinets so that you have room for other things, but can also look a little bit chefy, which is fun. So I love the idea of having one hanging down from the ceiling over that central island or having like a semicircle that attaches to the wall that's hung over your stove. Or even one that's just hung on the wall that's more of a flat bar, which I got at Overstock.com. But I got one for $45 and I absolutely loved it. And instead of being round like a semicircle and sticking out from the wall and really being invasive in the space, it was really close to the wall so that it almost felt like it didn't take up any additional space. And then I was able to free up an entire cabinet where I usually kept my pots and pans. Another way that you can use the walls is for a wall-mounted wine rack. They make so many cool ones. There's good ones at Ikea. There's really interesting ones at CB2 or Hay Needle. And the exciting thing about them is not only do they provide wine storage, but also they look kind of sculptural and interesting. So it's like having a piece of 3D art for your wall in addition to getting those wine bottles off your countertops. And another thing that you may want to consider that I think really gives you a lot of bang for your buck is a freestanding pantry. So certainly if you rent or if you're just not sure how long you're going to be in this space, you may not want to invest in something that's built in, but it can be nice to just Google. I found a really great one at Target the other day, freestanding pantry. And it basically looks like an armoire and it's filled with shelving. And the exciting thing about this piece is even though it costs a little bit more than say the wall-mounted wine rack or the pot holder, is that you can potentially take it with you and use it in a different way. So it can be storage for media or it can go in a garage and be storage for bulkier items or it could go in your basement and be storage for a holiday decor that you're swapping out seasonally. So there's just lots of different uses it could even be an armoire. So I like the versatility of this piece and also the fact that when you shut the doors, you don't see what's back there. Additionally, when you Google freestanding pantry or tall cabinet, you're going to see a ton of different style options as well as finishes. So you're bound to find something that goes well with your kitchen. One thing that I would advise against is trying to match your cabinetry. So it's never going to look like a built-in. It's never going to look like a piece of your cabinetry. So try and pick something that intentionally contrasts. In other words, if you have wood tone cabinetry, I would make sure that this piece is white or a color, something that's obviously not competing with that other wood tone. 
So Devin, I hope that helps. Happy shopping. Let us know what you find. My next question comes from Marie. So Marie wrote me, Betsy, what do I do about wet boots in my entryway? Currently, I'm using a towel. Youch! So that towel is going to quickly become saturated and maybe stain your floors. So I'm really worried about that from you, Marie. What I would suggest instead, what I have in my home and I really like, is a boot tray. I got my boot tray on overstock.com. Do I sound like a a broken record? I get a lot of stuff at overstock.com. Make sure you join their club, Club O. Amazing deals and discounts. But anyway, so I got my boot tray at overstock.com. And the thing I like about it is that it really captures all that moisture and keeps it contained. I put it in front of the radiator so that way the boots not only slough off into the tray but then they dry out more quickly in fact my five-year-old son praised me the other day he said mommy i love where my boots are because they're cozy and warm when i put them on mom win i totally got some points there and you know they have even nicer versions that you can get at pottery barn or crate and barrel they have a whole bunch of them at home depot they come in lots of different lengths and sizes but i find that that's the best solution this time of year they even have some that have cute patterns or sort of a built-in texture i just got a really simple one that matched the dimensions that fits nice and comfy cozy between my entry rug and my radiator and basically it's just a functional piece this is not necessarily the time to go for that most aesthetically pleasing moment just because there is so much gunk coming off of those boots that anything that you buy that's really cute will probably soon be destroyed and my boot tray cost me all of 20 dollars. so there we go i hope that helps and gave you some inspiration for what to do next Let me see here. One last question. It also comes from Marie. She wrote me, Betsy, should I paint radiators room color, white, or metallic silver? The covers seem to disperse the heat. So yes, covers will kind of not let all the heat come through. So it does make it feel a little bit chillier just because some of that heat will get trapped. It's not as Um, good at dispersing the heat as an exposed radiator that being said a lot of exposed radiators are ugly here are my thoughts so definitely don't paint the radiator the room color first of all you're going to want to do it in a different finish this is one of the only cases in which i will use an oil-based paint just because it can really withstand that heat and those extreme temps Uh, versus a semi-gloss so you do want to go for something oil-based or an exterior paint or something that can really take that strong amount of heat the other thing that I do is I'm not a huge fan of painting the trim color typically the trim color is a version of white and the problem with that is these radiators tend to get a little bit dirty let me just be real with you for a minute uh my son has a radiator next to his bed and his bed got pushed up against the radiator and part of his bed got a little bit melty it's like a navy bed from pottery barn kids and now the radiator has a little bit of navy on it so the white really shows all of those issues that tend to happen with a radiator when dust collects and then melts or when you know i don't know they just get gunky so i like the idea of painting them silver 
but white I would steer clear of. And, you know, of course, the best option is to do that cover of some kind. It is the most aesthetically pleasing. And my favorite covers come from homeimprovement.com. It's a website where you can have custom radiator covers built, and they're really super affordable and come very quickly, which is unlike a lot of the sites that you'll find on Etsy. So, Marie, I hope that helped and guided you in the right direction. Happy radiator painting. Well, guys, I was so excited to be truly inundated with questions from you, and I want to answer them all. So that's what next week is about. Next week, I'm going back, back, back into my mailbag. This time, it won't be for Hanukkah. It will be for Christmas. So Santa's gift bag is bringing forth some more exciting gifts in the form of Q&A, and I will talk to you next week. Before I sign off, I wanted to mention that next week, Wednesday, December 28th, we are going to be on the Today Show. Yes, I am going to be decorating a New Year's Eve party for $250 or less. At this point, I'm at $247.48. And I can't wait to share my tips and tricks with you. If you want a sneak preview of what I will be doing on the Today Show, join, become a VIP member, go to bigdesignsmallbudget.com. And my bonus episode this week is giving you my inside scoop on how to decorate for the perfect party, including the tips that I will be sharing on the Today Show on December 28th. So please join me. It'll be 9 o'clock. I think it's airing around 940. No promises. But the 9 o'clock hour on the Today Show, December 28th. I just had to plug that before I said goodbye. Thank you for listening. And I will catch you next week. Bye. asked for it and we have answered the call. For years you've been saying, Betsy, you're talking about all these great design concepts, but we can't visualize them. You're describing the picture that the listener sent in of their problem and we wish we could see that picture too. After all, a picture is worth a thousand words and I do my best to describe them, but there's nothing like seeing it for yourself. And that's why Affordable Interior Design, the podcast, now has a YouTube channel. Not only do we have a YouTube channel where you could see recordings and clips of these podcast episodes, we also have an Instagram, a Facebook, and so many other exciting things. You should check it out. Head over to affordableinteriordesign.com slash links. Once again, affordableinteriordesign.com slash L-I-N-K-S links. And when you go there, you will see links to our YouTube page, our Instagram page, our Facebook page, and more. Please check it out, follow and subscribe so you can see everything I'm talking about. A big thank you to our amazing producer, Catherine Heller, to Aton and the MBCR House Band, and to Affordable Interior Design, the sponsor of this podcast and the premier place to get an amazing look on a budget. Check out affordableinteriordesign.com. If you guys love the show, the very best way to support us is by spreading the word. Tell your friends or write us an awesome review on iTunes. So until next week, guys, thanks so much for joining us, and I'll talk to you soon. Bye.